Welcome to the 384th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida, and I just put a 50-mile race in the books. Spoiler alert, I'm alive. It was quite interesting. Had a great time. We're going to talk all about it today. Um, It is... At the time of this recording, it is Wednesday, so I am four days out and feeling pretty good. Walked a couple of miles each day, not ready to run. Um, Happy to report that um, no injuries. Um, I have my usual toenail issue, but just one for the most part, so I, I think it was a great success. This was the Brazos Bend... 50-mile race in Texas, just about 45 minutes west of Houston. They had a 5K, a 10K, a 25K, a 50-mile race, and a 100K race. The 50-miler and the 100K, which is 62.2 miles, did the same uh, loops. There was a little extra loop for the 100K to tack on to to get that 12 extra miles. But we did three loops of 16.8 miles. And um, it was pretty much flat. I'll post some pictures on plant-based striders. It was hard-packed fire road type trails. pretty wide really for the most part and they circled around uh, lakes and true to the description there were alligators lots of alligators it is alligator mating season Um, Rob Goyan who's the race director I hope to have him on the podcast at some time gave a pre-race talk um, and he said that um, there may be alligators on the trail when it warms up and don't go up to them and if you don't jump over them because they can flap their head up and grab you. And if you're going to go around, go around the tail end because they can't turn as quickly. So I took comfort in that if I saw an alligator, I would go around the tail end and everything would be okay. And I hoped that I wouldn't find one on the trail. Someone did. There was a picture of someone posted that there was one laying across the road. Plenty on the side. Again, we started out in the dark and with the headlights shining into the water, you could see their eyes reflecting in some uh, portions. You could also hear this alligator mating call, which is this very deep, uh, it sounds like a very loud cross between a bullfrog and a a cow um, bellowing. So we heard lots of that in the dark, Uh, lots of birds. There were some really beautiful birds, different uh, species. Uh, One he said was not, looked like a pelican, but wasn't a pelican. I'm sorry, looked like a flamingo, pink flamingo, but it wasn't a pink flamingo. Very, very pretty. So lots of scenery. You felt like you were in an Audubon um, um, soundtrack to some degree, you know, uh, running through and the sun came up. And there's there's a lot of people posted some, some really pretty pictures. Very, very green. Texas has got a lot more rain than Florida, so it was so pretty to see all the green and some flowers along the way. And the trails were marked very good. There were uh, four aid stations, um, three out on the course, one as you came through the loops. 
the volunteers. The, the, uh, Rob Goyan puts on a fabulous race, trail racing over Texas. Again, kudos. It's the second race we've run of his. But the, um, you know, the people that worked at the aid station, for the most part, were runners. They knew what people needed. They attended to their needs. They were very helpful, very pleasant, very happy. They had various sodas, including Coca-Cola, uh, on the on the table. They had electrolyte solution um, with without calories. They had some Gatorade. They had plain water. They had tons of ice. You know, big ice chests. They never ran out. They had a bucket of ice water to dip a towel in if you wanted to. Um, there were cookies, Skittles. Um, M&M's, um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, peanut butter or a Nutella sandwiches. Later in the race, they did a quesadilla um, with cheese. Um, they also did mashed potatoes. So um, being plant-based, uh, I had uh, probably two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, but I get, I'm getting ahead of myself so before I go into talking about what I ate, but for the most part, um, I, I used their water, their ice, their PB&J, and um, some wonderful mashed potatoes at the end. But as we, you know, we start, um, uh, besides gators, we had an armadillo walk in front of us, and we see those in Florida from time to time, but not, I hadn't seen one cross in front of me about 10, 10 yards, and he took his time. Um, they also had a plastic gator um, at one of the turns, you know, to kind of uh, make people jump. That was on, you know, like this stuck out. Um, I jumped the fourth time, so I knew exactly where it was, but I still jumped. The funniest part was on one of the loops coming back along the, the lake, or one of the lakes, um, I was kind of looking to the right. There, were, there, were, there was water on both sides, more like a lagoon on the right and a lake on the left. And I was kind of looking to the right, um, we used to, we would train for Ironman along a canal, and you'd always look in the canal and see the gators, but you knew darn well that there was gators on the other side. So I was kind of looking on the other side, but I was also kind of zoning out as I was running at that time. And all of a sudden, I jumped and screamed. Um, there was this giant log, and I thought it was a gator coming out. I mean, it just, it would have been a monstrous gator uh, had it been a real gator. But I jumped and screamed enough to scare Michael and to scare the lady behind me, and she stopped, and, you know, I got a hold of myself, and then we laughed a lot and, and went on. But um, we, we, um, we took a little tent. A lot of people set up tents at the start lines. So we brought one in Friday. Just, you know, um, pop tents, you know, or, you know, like a beach tent so that you could sit under if you wanted to come between the loops. The clock's always running. But you can take your time. Uh, I think the cutoff for the entire race was 9 o'clock at night. We started at 6 a.m. Um, like I said, we put a tarp down and we had a little flyover um, tent um, that we put up that had blue whales. Uh, we got it for, to share with Caleb. We did forget our camp chairs. Um, so, But we did decide to set up our nutrition so... The plan was to come through and grab the nutrition we needed for the 16.8-mile loop and head on out. What is tricky with an ultra, if, you, if you've done marathons before, usually there's aid stations about every three miles, and they have water, Gatorade, and a couple of them may have goo. But in ultra events, the aid stations are much fewer, mainly because it's in the woods and it's harder to get supplies in. And they're spread out. So these aid stations were somewhere between four and six miles apart. 
So you needed enough um, water to get you between aid stations. And then you could carry what you wanted if you didn't want to eat what was on the aid station. So um, again, being plant-based and knowing that I wasn't going to eat cookies and I wasn't going to eat M&Ms and I really don't eat, I used to eat Skittles when I did a marathon, but I, I didn't really think I wanted any more sugary stuff other than the goos that I, that I know I can tolerate or the gels. I packed Ziplocs, uh, I packed three Ziplocs for the, the, um, each loop. And so I had a variety of gels and I had um, a, a Peter Rabbit pouch that's, uh, you know, baby food type uh, banana strawberry one. And I had um, some mandarin oranges in the little cups in each one. And I had uh, my Betty Lou Big Newton type bars in one in each one. And so that, that was the, what I had planned to take in for nutrition. I knew I'd probably have some peanut butter and jelly along the way. I wasn't sure how, you know, it would be, how I would handle it. Um, I always have Coca-Cola during the races. I was uh, planned on trying to not take any Coke until it was uh, later in the race, just because, again, you start to get the bubbly. I don't drink Coke any other time. It starts to not sit well after a while, and, you know, all the extra caffeine that, you know, I wasn't sure that I, that I wanted. But I, I knew I would be taking in some. They said they would have potatoes on the course, so I was hopeful for that because I thought that would be good. Um, and, and they did end up having mashed potatoes at the mile 45, and I believe mile, they might have had them at the mile 46 aid station, or mile, not mile 45, and then mile, um, must have been, it must have been 48, there was an aid station that was closer in, you could have stopped that. Um, but I had the mashed potatoes out there, and it was funny because I said, these are really salty, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that a little bit later, but they said, no, no, they, we didn't put any salt in them, but I assumed they were boxed mashed potatoes that had a tremendous amount of sodium in it. And it tasted, you know, I tasted salt first, potatoes second. But after being out on the course, um, and they were warm and very smooth, and they, they were actually delicious. The peanut butter and jelly wasn't as exciting for me as it was the last race. I had a couple, um, but, you know, nevertheless, uh, I had, I had uh, those. We had talked to Addie, uh, Addie and Nathan and Caleb were going to come out for the finish and thought we could have a picnic. We had all these grand ideas of grandeur, so Addie was going to make a pasta salad from our cookbook. I thought that would be great for finished food. We could sit under the tent and, and have a, a picnic, and they could have their picnic before we got there. And Caleb came and had his little tricycle, and, you know, everything would be good. The food that we didn't have that I um, wish maybe, I, I wish maybe I, sh I would have made some rice balls um, or maybe even had the miso and, and some, some noodles to have. I don't know. I might try that in the future. It got to the point where I would have liked to have had something savory. Um, I did think my calorie intake was, was pretty good. Um, I wore Newton Trail shoes. They're a little bit more sturdy than the Newton Road shoes. Um, they were fine. My feet didn't hurt at all. I was surprised. I figured my feet would ache at least, you know, even in a marathon, sometimes the bottom of your feet will ache a little bit, but I had absolutely no discomfort in my feet at all. I knew I was having a little bit of a toenail issue on my second toes, but it wasn't, um, anything, you know, I've had a lot worse on 15 mile training runs. So that I was pleased about. 
it, it was has been dry the last week or so there, so the trails were really, really dusty, and there was you know a little bit of a sand kicking up on the, from the the road. So I did change my shoes after the second loop and socks, clean my feet up. I don't know if that made a difference or not. Um, you know, at least I got to look at my feet. They looked fine then, so I, there was nothing alarming as far as my toe or toenails, nothing I had to do. I had brought a first aid kit thinking that if I was getting big blisters under my toenails, I'd go ahead and pop it before uh, I went out, but I, I didn't, you know, see the need to do that and put my new uh, shoes and socks on. I had two of the same pair of, well, two pair of the same brand of the Newton trail shoes and I had exoskin socks that are very very good wicking so my feet my feet were actually dry um and so that so that worked out I brought clothes to change if it got hot but I started in a a, a top a com very light compressed top it was cold at the start uh, I'd say it was sub 50 I had arm sleeves on um and uh, I use a Solomon vest and um I had a running cap on um and shorts and so i um you know i was cold cold at the beginning but you know about 40 minutes when the sun started to come out that was that was okay my hands um warmed up my solomon vest i i love it's it's very light i had on the first loop i used one flexible water bottle and then i did a handheld carry of 24 ounces and I put uh, water in both of those. Um, the second loop, I put uh, an electrolyte, cal um, it, it has maltodextrin, so a complex carbohydrate sports drink called Tailwind Lemon Lime. So I made a concentrate for the second loop um, and used that. It was hot. I needed the third loop. I grabbed another bottle because I wasn't quite making it or I was getting really close to running out of water between the aid stations given the... 24 ounce handheld plus that, I don't know, 17, 18 ounce uh, flexible bottle that goes into the vest. So I grabbed another one of the flexible bottles to put in for water. I didn't even end up using it. Um, it was harder to fill the other flexible bottle. The one flexible bottle I had, I could put ice in and it actually stayed cold. And my handheld is insulated, so it held ice, so it stayed cold. So when the temperature actually got up into the 80s, that, that really was important. I, I couldn't tell if I was getting a little bit on the dry side or it was the dust from the roads, but I, I you know, I, I think my hydration, it might have uh, dipped a little bit. Early on, it's, you know, when we were running the first, say, 45 minutes in the dark, you're not quite sure about your footing. Uh, there's people around, didn't want to trip, so it wasn't drinking much, uh, probably didn't take in all that much. Well, we got to the first aid station and I took a peanut butter and jelly sandwich first off, so, so that was about mile um, five uh, or six when you first got to that uh, first aid station. In the morning, I had made some oats in the hotel room and had a banana, so that was uh, my pre-race meal and a cup of coffee. And that's usually what I, you know, do either a bar or um, oatmeal and a banana. So that all worked out. And, you know, once it became light, I, um, there was, it was interesting because I knew there would be highs and lows throughout the race, but I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Um, and I, I have to say that, um, you know, I, I listened to a podcast of a, of a woman running her first 50 miler and she said, it doesn't get much worse on the third loop than the second loop. That's what she felt. 
And I took um, some solace in that, thinking, well, okay, I know what 32 miles feels like, and if it doesn't get much worse than 32 miles, I should be fine uh, if I can keep that pace up. And we'd been training at a pace, and we, we really wanted to try to keep um, under 12 minutes, uh, you know, 11, 5, 11, 15 to 12 minute pace running. We also wanted to keep the rest stops, you know, the aid station times down because that actually, you know, that adds time to your, your, your loop time. So that was the idea was to keep, you know, that, that pace so that we could, you know, come in uh, around that 12 um, minute mile uh, with the aid stations and everything. That was kind of the plan knowing that we would probably slow down over time, but I felt that was a good place to start, um, or a heart rate monitor. So I wasn't gonna let my heart rate get up high. Uh, Michael and I made a pack that we weren't gonna go out and run scared and run from the pack. We were gonna hold our heart rates down, we're gonna stay, stay true to our own race, um, be diligent at the aid stations, you know, get in, get out. Um, so we, we thought we had a pretty good plan. The idea that was going to be no man left behind, no woman left behind. So uh, whatever happened, we were going to stay together. And, um, you know, we had the discussion that, you know, unless something bad happened, we weren't going to drop out uh, unless there was, you know, um, some sort of, you know, health issue that he's like, okay, this is stupid to keep going. So that was that was the plan. Um, you know, again, so we made it to the first aid station, started to get liked. And the first thing that, that happened was, I guess between the second and third aid station, maybe, um, went to, you know, walk to check something a little bit. And I was actually, we were going over a bridge and I, and I actually felt unsteady, um, like a little woozy. And I think at that point, maybe I was, you know, maybe a little underhydrated, a little low on sugar. I think the stress of the unknown and the first loop and the excitement of it all. I think I used more glucose than I anticipated. Um, but I thought, okay, I got to get some more calories in me um, for this, you know, this next uh, section between uh, aid stations. And so that, that went away. Um, the, 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 I guess the first thing that happened to me, though, is my low back tightened. And you know, um, as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, I've had back issues over the years, and that scares me worse than anything because if my back goes, there's not much I can do about it on the run to really make it better, and it gets to the point where walking could be an issue, and I was really fearful that that might end up being, you know, what takes me down, so to speak. And so when my back was, you know, you're, you fly in, and we had a little bit of a... Um, uh, airplane experience and the flight was longer the flight got changed and you know different beds not stretching like I usually do at home and so my back was tight and I, I did stretch that morning a little bit but still it was cold and and my low back got tight not like it was going to go out but tight enough that I had some tightness into my upper legs a little bit and that, that kind of worried me because I thought, man, if this, and this was really early on, I thought if this progresses, it could get ugly. But the warmer it got, the more we ran, that let up um, and never came back, thankfully. Uh, you know, I, I would, you know, I would say I'll take anything um, just about, knock on wood, don't, I never try to say that, you know, but I felt like that was the worst thing that probably could get in my road. Um, is if my back really locked up and I start having sciatica or something like that. But that went away. It felt great. Um, 
And then the next thing I had that little low episode of um, glucose, you know, it was a little, or that wooziness that just a little off balance, like my legs could almost give out. Like I was, you know, really underhydrated or, or I don't know what it was exactly. Um, and that didn't last very long and that went away. I, I think it was probably lower on the glucose end of things just from the excitement of it all. And then um, the next thing that happened, I had a discomfort in my knee uh, that I have never had before. It was on the back side of my knee and the kind of the medial aspect where I've never had any issues. I've had my first start running, I had patellar tendonitis and in, intermittently when I fall or something, you know, my knee, the kneecap or something is been irritated or I change shoes or I don't change shoes. My knees will bother me just a little bit that it's more of a tendon type of thing. And if I stretch and change shoes, it all goes away. So I've never, I can never say I've had knee problems. Um, but I had this cramping on the back of my, under, behind my leg, uh, in, you know, through my knee joint, you know, right along the back. And I thought, man, this is the weirdest thing in the world. And it's like, I kept running. I never walked. I was almost afraid that if I walked, it might get worse or, or cramp up more. And again, you know, a little bit, it, it went away. I didn't say anything about it. Um, it, you know, much. I think after it was gone, I, I may have told Michael, it's like, she was the weirdest thing. I, you know, my knee was so tight, but I, I really didn't voice any of these uh, or give much voice to any worries that I had along the because I, I didn't want them to be any more than something that's going to come and go and pass. I didn't want to dwell on anything like, oh no, something bad's going to happen. And, you know, oh my, we've got to change. It's like, no, no, we're just going to, you know, ride this out as it's, you know, um, bumps in the road, things passing. So um, that went uh, that that went away, and um, just was kind of in, enjoying things, trying to really stay on track with nutrition. Um, the goal was about two hundred calories an hour. Um, it's a little bit more difficult. We're going slower than we usually do. You know, uh, in a marathon, I might try to take calories every three miles, but here, you know, I, I knew I didn't want to get behind because it was going to be too hard to catch up. I didn't want to do too much um, for fear of getting sick. So, you know, it's like, okay, we'll go for 200. When I got back the first loop, I had stuff left for my first bag, so I hadn't taken it in, but I'd taken the peanut butter and jelly. So it's like, okay, I'm still all right. I felt, I felt good. Um... The end of the second, um, well, I, I guess, you know, I end up taking um, um, cliff, cliff gels. Um, and, you know, in the past, I've done races where I've eaten the same gel the whole race and you get sick of it. You can't look at them anymore. I've had Ironman man races where you pull out a gel and you just put it back because it's just so nasty that you just can't swallow it. So I made sure that I saved the flavors that I like for the different gels for the races and I spread them out over the, into my bags. So in my bags, I'd have a Cliff gel. I like the raspberry ones. Um, I like goo, um, a couple flavors I like the vanilla and I like a strawberry banana. And there's a Huma gel, gel that has chia seeds and I like the lemon and the raspberry and that. I really like the lemon, it tastes like lemon pie. So I, I didn't, you know, I spread those out so it wouldn't, you know, I'd have one each of the loops, but not, you know, all the good ones all the time. 
and um, I had the Cliff ones. There was a couple mocha. I can't do a lot of chocolate when it starts to get hot, but the chocolate ones or the mocha ones, I kind of like to think that I'm having a cup of coffee. Um, and, you know, there's some caffeine in those. So if I can get them down, they really work well for me. I had a PB&J. Um, I probably had two half sandwiches throughout the day. They had Dixie cups, a half a Dixie cups full of Coke. You know, I had several of those. I had my Tailwind Lemon Concentrate. I had the mashed potatoes. I had two of the Betty Lou bars. They were kind of hard to get down. I guess when it got hot, your stomach starts to go. I was chewing little baby bites, you know, as I went along. Um, they, were, they worked well. They didn't cause me any indigestion, but they were kind of hard to get down. Um, so I ended up having like three lemon hummus, two cliff raspberries, two goo vanilla, uh, one or two of the mochas. I had two of the mandarin orange cups. I had half a banana. So I figured I had about 2,200 calories for the whole race. Um, and and the, the time of our finish time was 13 hours and um, four seconds. And my watch said that for the 50, it ended up going a little bit longer because I'll tell you why in a second, but uh, we went 50.4 mi- or five miles and uh, 4,300 calories. The average pace, taking in rest stops and everything that I'm about to tell you that happened, was 15 hours and 33 minutes. Um, Our best uh, pace was 9.33, and the worst um, was 17 to 18. So um, that's kind of where we were there, and I'll, you know, kind of go back around. But for, so 4,300 calories I burned per my Garmin, according to the heart rate and how it takes in. And but I took in about 2,200, I would say. And that was, that was not bad. That was like 170 per hour, if you look at it. Um, and and I, I don't think I, would, I needed any much more than that. Um, like I said, I might have changed what they were a little bit. Um, I might have had, um, you know, some rice or I might try noodles and fats. I don't know. Um, it, certainly if I went longer, I'd have to do something different besides sweet um, because I think the sweet just, it just gets to you after a while. So, um, what happened? The first loop was three hours and 22 minutes. And we were extremely happy about that. That worked out well. We were right on pace. Everything looked good. The second loop, um, took us four hours and 20 minutes. And the third loop was five hours and 22 minutes. At the end of the second loop, uh, around mile 28, 30, Michael started to get a lot of stomach cramping. And every time he'd start to run, his stomach would just knot up and he couldn't run. He took a peanut butter and jelly sandwich early. There could have been some electrolytes he took. We're not sure what, what caused his problems. It, you know, it got hot. That's when it was starting. That's when it happened. Um, really don't know why his stomach shut down on him, but it shut down in a big way. He tried to take gas X. That's usually my go-to. Um, if I get gassy, um, that didn't work. Nothing really worked. If he took water in, he just, just nothing he could do made him feel good. So after the second loop, he actually laid down on the tarp and, um, just tried to lay down, hoping that everything would pass, so to speak, and his stomach would settle down. And so I refilled the water bottles and refilled the bags and, you know, was around. I I didn't sit down in the second, between the, um, after the first loop, 
um, or at the second loop. I, I didn't sit down. I was a little bit afraid. I still had in the back of my head that my back might spasm if I kind of, uh, you know, went to uh, sit down. So I, I didn't. I didn't sit down. So I kept walking and doing things while you know he was laying down. And finally, I said, you know, I think we need to try and go. Um, we had to talk, you know, um, do you want to stop? And no, no, he didn't want to stop. And, and we both thought that, you know, if he just let his stomach settle down, he would be better. And, it, you know, if he could just burp and get it over with, you know, maybe it would get better. Um, but it really didn't get much better and kind of got worse. Um, loop, the last loop, um, you end the last loop by this, you know, the, the, if you think about the way the, the trail was, it was kind of like a clover leaf that went out and back around these different lakes. And the last one was like a long, uh, like the stem to a flower that you went out the furthest point and then came back. And so we pretty much walked the second or the third loop. I would jog a little bit because walking really, I don't walk enough. The walking was actually harder on my hip flexors and they were starting to get tight. That's really the only thing that I can say the last loops bothered me was that my hip flexors from walking just felt like uh, they were really, they wanted to cramp. And so I jog a little bit and I actually feel better. I didn't have much much of a jog, but jogging a little bit, jogging was better than, than walking. And walking seemed so slow. Both of us agreed that, you know, we were walking because he couldn't walk much faster because he'd start to cramp up. But it's just the tenths of a mile just tick by so slow. And Addie and Nathan and Caleb arrived and they called us. Well, Michael said, if you can, can you have him get me a Sprite? Because Sprite uh, tends to make him better. Ginger ale wasn't doing it. So we, I texted text them and said, can you bring a Sprite when you come? And so they texted and they said they were at the finish line. So I kept telling, you know, I kept texting back and say we're at mile 43 we're at mile 44 um you know and it was just going so slow and i was just i was just really worried that you know he was going to get to the point of no return and we, we got to the furthest aid station out there finally they had some pediolite <clears throat> and the pediolite has a little bit of a and it's pretty weak electrolyte solution it doesn't have much at all but it seemed like it was enough that, and maybe it was just time that he was starting to get better, but the Pedialyte and some mashed potatoes seemed to help him out a little bit and made him feel a little bit better, at least gave him enough calories that he could keep, you know, moving forward without being woozy. And, um, you know, I never thought, I was never worried to the point where he was going to go down or I wouldn't have let that happen. You know, I would have made him pull the plug, but he just, you know, it was just miserable because he couldn't take in enough calories and couldn't run in the cramping. Um, <clears throat> but we, we kept on going. And actually, the last mile, he was actually able to, to run some uh, and feel better. And again, we, we managed to finish in 13 hours and four seconds. When I look back on my stats, you know, besides what we talked about earlier, my heart rate stayed, you know, stayed good. Early on when I started to get a little bit, that woozy feeling, our heart rate started, my heart rate started to go up into like the 130s. And I knew that, you know, we couldn't do a faster pace than that. But really, after that, heart rate was really in the high 120s. It didn't do much, uh, much over that. So I thought that was, that was really good. Um, the reason for that is if your heart rate goes above, if you become anaerobic and you start burning only carbohydrates as fuel, 
and obviously you're not taking in as much as you're burning, it really, it, that's defined as the wall for the most part. So you start to become a little acidotic and, and you just have to really stop. Um, so, you, so the hotter it is, the higher your heart rate tends to go. So you, you, know, we, you know we had to actually slow down a little bit. Um, in the 50-mile race, there were 104 entrants, uh, 77 finishers. Michael and I finished 68 and 69. The oldest person on the course was 72 years of age, and he finished in 1446. Um, the last person in the 50-mile race finished in 1506. There were 47 females registered, 40 finished. I was 32nd. I was the oldest female finish, finisher by three years. That's good and bad. Um, I don't feel like I need to stop. Um, I actually want to go further. Um, but the field is starting to lighten out, so um, we're just going to be paving some new territory. It's funny. Um, any of you that have seen me, I have white hair. Um, I'm a mom-mom. And... <laughs> You see people passing you, and they kind of smile, you know, and you're smiling. And there was a lot of young people, and I, and I kind of, in retrospect, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of think when people saw us, it's like, you know, look, oh, those, you know, those old people are doing pretty good or hanging in there. I don't know. Maybe I just thinking about thinking it that way. Um, I really do think had Michael's stomach not shut down, we could have done the third loop in about that four-hour mark. Um, and so I think we have, you know, we have a lot of um, ways to, I think we can improve it. It wasn't a technical course, but it was a hot course. So obviously technical course, you would go slower. Um, I sat down once. I sat down to, well, I sat down twice. I sat down to change my shoes on the tent, the tarp, and I was all right. And I got up okay. And I sat down on a cooler when Michael said, down uh, and kind of rested on the third loop at that 47, 45 mile aid station. And I felt my back tightening up and I got up. It's like, I still was, I was still afraid that my back was going to tighten up. I never really uh, lost that fear. When we finally did cross the finish line and we sat down in the chairs that Addie and Nathan brought um, and I went to get up, I was stiff. I got stiff like immediately. I don't know how people get up and run you know, and, and that, I guess that's something you have to practice. But, you know, after I sat for 10 or 15 minutes, I, I it would have been hard for me to get up and, and go again. So I don't know. I guess, you know, I'm like an old horse, you know, don't lay down or bad things happen. But, um, you know, so I got to figure that out a little bit. I might have to talk to my friend Harvey Lewis and see how he does that or how people do this, come in and do, you know, rest for five or 10 minutes and then get up and go. I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, how that would, you know, that would work out. The unknown, you know, I enjoyed, or I was, I was confident, I was confident in my, my ability to finish once I finished the second loop. I knew I was going to be okay. I knew nothing bad. I, I felt like nothing bad was going to happen to stop me. The first two loops, I was worried um, because I was, I hadn't got to the, I hadn't got to that point of, you know, the unknown was still out there. Um, you know, was it going to get much worse? Was it going to get worse before it started? I knew if I got through, you know, in my mind, and that's how your head plays with you, in my mind, I took that girl's 
word as my gospel, that the third loop wasn't going to be much worse than the second loop. I don't know this woman from Adam. I don't know what she looks like. She sounds a lot younger than me, but I took that, her word. I probably should try to track her down and have her on the podcast so she'd probably get a laugh out of it. I took her at her word that the third loop would not be worse than the second loop, much worse. And so I, I just wrapped my head around that. And so I knew that if when I got through the second loop, I was going to be all right because if it didn't get any worse than that, I could do it. I was worried, and I use that word, you know, I hate that word worry, but I was concerned and very diligent about getting to that second loop, the unknown. So I was a little bit, I heard the birds and I heard the sounds, but I was a little less relaxed probably on the first loop and a half because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And after those things kind of came and went, you know, my back was tight, then my back wasn't tight, and my knee was tight, then my knee wasn't tight, and I was a little woozy, and then I wasn't woozy. Then I got kind of in the groove of, okay, things are going to come and go, but they're going to come and go, and it's, they're not staying, so I'm okay with that. I'm going to get to the second loop, and then I'm going to be able to go on. In previous marathons, you know, what I've always said I like about marathons is that, you know, you have to troubleshoot, and things come up, and this was, you know, troubleshooting on steroids, as far as <clears throat> the unknown, um, and my race, my mental race plan in the beginning was, again, get to the third loop and everything will be all right, but to take it one loop at a time and to just focus on when I needed to take in hydration, when I needed to take in nutrition, um, and, you know, be mindful of my form, watch how I'm hitting, uh, try to keep my back relaxed, don't get all, you know, postured up, um, and so I was, I was pretty focused on that and, and really didn't, you know, relax too much until the end of the second loop. And then, you know, unfortunately, Michael being sick kind of changed my focus from myself to him and trying to make sure he was okay and keep him moving. So I didn't think that much about myself. Um, I just wanted to keep him moving and keep him safe and make sure that everything was going to be all right. And so that kind of helps me. Sorry, Michael. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he'll say he's glad to take one for the team. But, you know, it, it, when you take your, the focus off yourself and onto something else, it, it does make it easier. Um, and so it kind of worked with my, my mental game plan. Um, so that was, um, you know, that, that was really what, what happened. Um, you know, previous Ironman, you do, you know, you do the swim, you do the bike, you do the run. And so you, it breaks it up. And, you know, in a marathon, I'm used to breaking up the mileages. So I didn't really know how to break this up other than just the way I said. And, and it kind of worked out pretty good. The thing that happened when we stopped, so it got in the high 80s temperature-wise. And then by the time we finished, it was, you know, 13 hours, so 6, 7 o'clock. It's starting to cool down. And... We sat down and, and immediately started to chill, and I had trouble getting my body temperature under control. Once I started to chill, I was it was kind of shaking, shaking chills, and I had a long it was a long time hot shower at home uh, at A's house before you know, and even you know sweatshirt and the whole nine yard. It took a long time to get to get warm. I was able to eat some of that great pasta salad when we got home. Um, and I you know I can say my stomach never bothered me a bit. Um, the other funny thing that happened, um, 
I was starting to get a headache. Every once in a while I get a headache. And I think it's fluid shifts, uh, a little dehydration from the plane or whatever. And I thought, man, you know, what am I going to do if I get a migraine, you know, or, you know, a bad headache when I'm out here? But, you know, I started running and that all went away. So I don't know, you know, you take your mind off of something else. But, um, you know, I told Michael and Jess, if, you know, if people suffer from headaches, maybe they should go for ultra runs because it seemed to, you know, I never did get that headache and um, didn't have one after. So that that's a, that's a good thing. This... Actually, you know, the, when I did my first marathon, my mother said, so did you get this out of your system? And I said, no, I think I want to go faster. And at the end of this 50-miler, did I get ultras out of my system? And, you know, should I look at the roster list and say, no, I'm not going to do any more. I'm getting too old for this. Um, no, it made me want to go longer. So there will be a 100K on the books um, for my 60th birthday year, I think. Oh, if uh, everything stays in place and <laughs> nothing falls apart too bad. Our next race is actually in June, the Leadville Marathon at Elevation, so that will be a challenge in and of itself, but um, I digress. What would I do different? Um, other than the savory food type of things, I, I don't think a whole lot. Like, I think, you know, I need to think about practicing. Should I sit down, stretch, whatever, uh, between? I don't know if that, that helps or not. Um, I liked how we did our bags, so we were ready to go. I felt that that was good. I felt that the hydration was, was really good. Um, you know, I might've done more walking and hill walking to kind of prepare my hip flexors for that motion as opposed to running. When you run, you know, with that short choppy step after you're kind of getting slow, your hips aren't moving near as much as a kind of a longer walk. So I think that's, um, I couldn't walk fast. Dick, I take my, Dick Willard, I take my hat off to you for that long gait. Uh, I could have used it. <clears throat> But we had lots of miles in us. Uh, you know, we had tried to do a 50-mile last year. It got canceled because of an ice storm. I broke my toe. I canceled a 50-mile. We've got some marathons and some 50Ks under our belt. So I think our training was pretty good. I might do some longer runs in practice um, than we had done. Um, but I don't know. You know, um, you know, maybe some try to go find some trails and actually do more of the grass stuff. Certainly, if we're going to do something technical, have to you know do that a little bit more strength training. Uh, Nathan, my strength coach here, I'm sure he would agree that that's probably something that needs to do maybe to keep my hip flexors. Um, I think it's you know um, again moving. I was fine. Stop. I I I stiffened up. I think you know body and motion. I think that you know one thing this taught me is we can go a lot longer than we anticipate that we can. You know I've talked to people um, about um, wellness and movement uh, and the practice and people get sore and and there's a fear as we get older that we're going to hurt ourselves. And that we're going to put ourselves out commission. You know, you hear people say, I ripped my quad or I tore my knee and I can't do anything else. And they have this, this concept or this story that they tell, them that, tell themselves that they're broken. And they can't do anything because they broke themselves. And if they try to do it again, it's going to break. And, and I think that's false, false, false. Um, I see it time over and time and time and time again with other people that I admire. They come back from... Um, what you would think would be uh, severely limiting injuries to do to do great things, and so I think we limit ourselves way too much. I think noticing the difference between a little bit of pain and injury. I was not injured when my knee hurt; it was just a little discomfort, muscle spasm. I don't know what it was, but even when my back tightened up, you know, there was nothing horrible going on. I didn't ever limp. 
Um, I didn't ever lose control of myself, you know, as far as moving, uh, things weren't collapsing. Um, so I, I think that, you know, we're able to do a lot more than, than we give ourselves uh, credit for, or maybe, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of fear that's unlimited. I, I think this trail running, um, the one thing I love about it is the camaraderie, even though we were older than a lot of people there. People were smiling. People said, good job. Anytime you pass somebody or they passed you, the aid station people were wonderful, pleasant. You were out in the middle of nowhere. You were pushing yourself to limits beyond what you thought you could do or even had experienced before. The furthest I've ever run up until that week was 32 miles, 33 miles. Um, and when you're at that point, you're vulnerable. Um, and you're at, uh, but there's a kind of everybody's vulnerable together. Everybody is struggling together. And it makes for a great um, camaraderie. Uh, I think even Michael and I are closer after having struggled through that together. Um, Lord knows we've done some crazy things together. But, um, you know, we had the discussion while we were out there, you know, do you want to stop? You know you're going to regret it if, you know, if you're not so sick that um, it's dangerous um, just to throw in the towel because the time is not what we wanted would be, um, we would regret it. So we didn't want to do that. There was no way in the world I was going to leave him and finish, you know, quicker or leave him behind. That wasn't going to happen. Didn't matter to me. Um, the idea for, was for us to finish and finish together. Um, we're a team, and that's, you know, that that is um, that's that's priceless. As far as pushing, you know, as you're getting older, um, I think it's a way of cleaning out the garage. I, I give a lecture and I tell people that our cells are like garages, that over time we accumulate metabolic waste. And that's really what causes our cells to start to decline and bad things start to happen. And it truly is aging is when we just have so much gunk in our cells that they can't function appropriately. And I think getting out and running uh, an endurance event where you, you know, you take your glycogen stores down to zip and you push yourself to limits of exhaustion or being very fatigued, that you're kind of cleaning out your garage. I don't think it has any, I don't think it's destructive. I think it is reparative. Um, I did not change my intake before the race. I did not change my take my change my intake after the race. Uh, I eat fruit, greens, things of color. I wasn't more hungry after the race uh, than I am after any other race. I didn't eat terrible food afterwards. I just ate good food to try to refuel myself because I cleaned my garage out. I want to put good stuff back in. Um, If you want to know positivity, go run an ultra because you'll see lots of people that are can-do people. I think we were designed to move. We were designed to be perpetually moving and that sitting is probably the worst thing that we can do. Stopping is definitely the worst thing we can do. Um, I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait for our next challenge to be at 10,000 plus feet of elevation and see how that goes. I look forward to meeting more people on the trail and sharing more stories. If you would like to push the limits, live large, live healthy, um, go over to drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y, and check out the website. You're never too old 
or maybe you're old enough that you should clean out your garage with an endurance event and it's never too old to start living large again. Um, good for the mind, good for the body. Uh, thank you, Rob Goyan, for putting on a wonderful, wonderful race. Thank you, Michael, for running with me. Thanks, Addie, Nathan, and Kayla for being at the great, uh, being a great finish line with posters and um, lots of smiles. Makes it all worthwhile. Uh, thanks, Nathan and Addie and Kayla, for hosting us after the race. And um, on Sunday, we went to an Easter egg hunt and walked around, and it was it was quite fun and quite humorous to see us kind of gimping around a little bit. But it was great to get moving. So if you have any questions, email me at jamie at drdelaney.com. Uh, it was a pleasure sharing my race with you. Um, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. P.S. I didn't get bit by a gator. I didn't have to jump over one. I didn't have to go around the backside. I was happy about that.